As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's so crucial in this digital world that we live in to build a brand on a brand you own, one that you can continue to grow and scale with. I'm Allie Wolf, an Emmy-winning journalist and mom. I love interviewing women and experts who inspire us to create fulfilling lives and careers while embracing the messy and beautiful reality of being a mom. This is the Mom's Calling Podcast. Hi, welcome back to Mom's Calling. I have a really important episode for you today, and it's an interesting one as well. One I will be coming back to, and I hope you are ready to take notes. If you are someone who has their own business, dreams of having their own business one day, or has a side hustle or dreams of starting a side hustle, this is for you. Entrepreneurship is romanticized today. It gives you freedom, autonomy. You can be your own boss and make your own decisions. But there's a lot that goes into that that you don't see. And part of that is the legal side. Owning your brand, protecting your intellectual property, getting copyrights, trademarks, all of it. We're going to break down the essential legal steps to take when starting a business or a side hustle, when you need the help and when you maybe don't. And we're also getting into the risks if you do nothing, if you do not take these steps. My guest today breaks it down in a way that's approachable and interesting. She is Lauren Boyd, attorney and founder of Guide My Business, a law firm dedicated to empowering entrepreneurs to build a strong legal foundation for their business through a proactive and approachable strategy. Lauren is also a first-time mom to a three-month-old baby girl. So we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, legal stuff, of course, and a lot more. Enjoy this interview. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to Mom's Calling. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I am so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, let's dive in with your story. Take us back to how you started and how you got to where you are today. I am an attorney. We were just talking about this with my husband last night and I was teasing him. I'm like, this is technically your fault because when I told him that I wanted to leave behind my corporate law job and, you know, pursue starting my own firm, I said, I know I can go in-house someplace else, but what I really love is to have something of my own, grow roots in our community, grow relationships. I think that'd be so fulfilling. And he actually supported the crazy idea of me leaving behind, you know, my salary and my benefits and kind of going down this journey. I owned my own house at the time when we were dating and he moved in to help pay the mortgage. 
So I like to tease him that he kind of set me up to be unemployable because I would never go back and work for somebody else. I'm like, I'm ruined. I would be a terrible employee now. So what was that decision like? I imagine it was high stress and a comfortable salary. So what was that decision to leave that behind and take this leap of faith? Was that a tough choice or did you just know it was the right one for you? I feel like I just knew there was like this tug on my heart that said, that there, there was something better out there. I loved my corporate law job for the experience that it gave me. I negotiated international contracts. I negotiated over $3 billion in international contracts actually while I was there. So it was incredible. I was traveling for work. It was like the perfect out of law school job. But when I started looking up in the organization, I didn't want anyone else's job. Like there wasn't anywhere else that I saw myself growing into like, Oh, I can't wait to be that. There just wasn't that for me. It just wasn't the right fit coming from a family of entrepreneurs where I could call my parents and no matter what meeting they were in, my dad would answer the phone and he would be like, Hey, do you need anything? I'm in a meeting. Oh no. I'd be like, no, I'm good. And he's like, okay, I'll call you back later. But he would always answer. And I was like, that's what I want for my kids later on in life, I want the flexibility to always be able to answer the call. It doesn't mean that I'm not busy or that I don't have my own thing, but that I actually always have the opportunity, you know, to be there when needed. And then that can be, and and being a, a mom can be my priority. So it sounds like entrepreneurship is definitely in your blood and probably comes a bit naturally to you, but were there any learning curves or things that you had to figure out along the way? Because I know you also help entrepreneurs. So what was that transition like for you in figuring it out for yourself? So, you know, it's, it's interesting because I feel like at every level you have new problems. And so last night, like I was kind of teasing with my husband, like, this is your fault. I'm unemployable. I can't go anywhere else, but I'm, you know, it's just, you know, frustrated was systems. I was dealing with systems. I'm very organized and I always have been. So that, you know, building systems has kind of, and having a process has always come naturally to me, but as we've grown and expanded our team, the systems have changed and evolved and the problems have changed and evolved. So one of my favorite things, and I believe Lori Harder said this was, you know, at every level, there's a new devil. And I think that that's so true. So it's, it's this idea that like, we're never not going to struggle. And I think that's true with motherhood too. There's such a nice parallel there that, you know, you get comfortable with a routine. And then I feel like my daughter changes the routine the next week. And so, you know, I'm, I'm discovering that there's so many parallels between that and entrepreneurship. So with that, let's talk about your what your business does and what you do as a lawyer now. So we really focus on empowering entrepreneurs to have the confidence of a strong legal foundation. I think there's a lot of peace of mind that comes with feeling as though you have your ducks in a row, that you have your liabilities are in check. And then a big part of what we do as well is helping them own their brand because we put so much time and effort into building our brand, building the goodwill and brand awareness. But it's so crucial in this digital world that we live in to build a brand on a brand you own, one that you can continue to grow and scale with. And what we mean by that is one that you register with a trademark. So many times, unfortunately, we've had clients come to us and say, I got a cease and desist letter. What do I do? And unfortunately, when it comes to that, sometimes there's things we can do and sometimes there's not. Sometimes you completely inadvertently 
are building a brand on somebody else's registered trademark in the same industry. And there is just no finding separation. And that rebrand can be really costly and really disruptive. Really, it's about building the foundations and everyone's foundations look a little bit different, right? Between product-based businesses, service businesses, digital, you know, online courses, whatever you might be doing, we're no longer lemonade stands. If you are going to launch your side hustle, even if we're going to call it your side hustle, there is a difference, I think, in mindset in starting off on the right foundation. So having an entity, which is a limited liability company, is an excellent place to start. It's going to create separation from your personal assets and personal liabilities. So all of your business activities, even before you're making money, I say business activities really importantly, because some people go, well, I haven't made money yet. But if you're out there and you're establishing goodwill, if you're out there and you're, you know, working with someone on branding, if you're working on someone on your website or your systems, those are all still business activities that all come with some business liability and business debt. And you want to be able to run those expenses and everything through your business. So being able to go get an LLC and then actually going over to the irs.gov website and you getting an EIN for free. It's like your social security number for your business. Mm -hmm. Don't get scammed by when you type in EIN online, there's $99 fee options. You can absolutely fill out the information yourself and you can get it for free from the irs.gov. You take your LLC paperwork from your state and you take your EIN to the bank and you can open a business bank account. That together, I think are the most crucial initial steps because there's actually a, a statistic in trademarks that say businesses that that actually um, register their trademark in their first year of business earn three times as much revenue in the first five years than businesses that don't and to me mm. that is of course an element of you know revenue streams and parts of their business that that flow, you know, from the, the value of having a trademark and making sure people aren't infringing on it. But I oftentimes think a lot of it is that mindset, the mindset of an entrepreneur that's willing to take the steps to form their LLC, get their EIN, get their bank account, get their trademark in their first year of business is likely someone that is all in, that is going to do what they need to do to run a successful business. And it's not necessarily those things all in themselves. Mm. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because if you're taking your business seriously, you're going to approach it differently. And so when you say trademark, are you trademarking the name of your business, your business or your brand, or is there a trademark for everything? How does that work? <laughs> so trademarks can be so many different elements of your business. Now let's think of Nike. Nike, the name, Nike, the swoosh, just do it are all brand elements that can be trademarked. So you might have a brand that's your name and it's at the end says consulting. That is not something that we can trademark. We can't mm -hmm. trademark your name. We can't trademark things that are purely descriptive. But what if you have this wonderful tagline, this wonderful tagline that, that sets you apart, that is, could be what you trademark. If you're a product-based business, you might not only trademark your brand name, right? What's going to appear on the label of say the shirt that you're selling, 
but you may also trademark your different collections, you know, the names of your different collections. You may trademark your, you know, your version of the Nike Swish, right? Your, your logo that is a really good identifier. I'm finding these days that so many of entrepreneurs, our logo is actually more like our business name in a really mm. cool font that we like. And we probably don't use the same cool font three years from now. So I'm not going to have you file what's called a stylized mark, which is what we do for logos. Instead, we're going to file your the phrase, the, the word or the phrase, and we will save stylized marks purely for like those real logos, like the aesthetic logo of like a Nike Swoosh, an Adidas symbol, whatever those might be. Save that for stylized marks because that's what's going to set you apart. Yeah. So with that, what if you are like, I'm just going to start this quickly. I'm going to do very little investment up front. I might change my name. So I don't really want to put anything that's locking me in. Is there a way around that? Or would you say, wait until you're actually sure of what you're going to be doing for the long term? So that's such an important question on timing. Oftentimes that's what we get timing of everything. When should I do it? When is it too late? First off, if you're least listening to this and you already have a brand, give yourself some grace. It doesn't mean that you can't do it now. But what I actually like to suggest is when you're in the brand development phase, that you actually work with a, with an attorney because we actually do a comprehensive trademark search before we submit your application to the USPTO. The whole process to actually register a trademark will surprise you. It can take up to one year. And wow. what I like to say is that we want to get that process going so that, you know, as you're developing the brand, we work actually with a lot of creative agencies to work hand in hand with them and their clients as they're going through the selection phase. Because what if you fall in love with a name and you pay for branding, or maybe you fall in love with a name and you brand it yourself. I made my own logo. So, you know, I know how it feels to be a scrappy entrepreneur and actually be like, I love my logo and I guess I'm going to keep it. Um, so when you're going through that phase is a really good time to work with an attorney to do a comprehensive trademark search, because you might say, I really want to operate this. I'm going to use myself as an example, my law firm as guide my business. Well, what if someone else was already doing that? I don't want to go too far down the road of investing in branding, my time, my energy, find, you know, money into developing this brand and putting it out there. If it's something that I'm going to have to change and pivot later on, what if it's taken and I can't find another way to make it work? You would want to know that up front. We'll do the comprehensive trademark search in two weeks. So you'll get the benefit of an informed decision in two weeks. And while we wait for the USPTO's initial response, which can take up to six months at times, you can continue to focus on growing your business and the goodwill of your brand. Okay. Some great info there. With that, um, not to scare people, but say there's somebody listening who has their own business, whether it's online or physical business, what is the risk of not doing these steps? What could happen to you if you're out there online and you're operating and somebody, what can they come at you with and what's the risk? So two things, your risk is either that you are unknowingly operating using somebody else's name. You're infringing on somebody's existing trademark. The, the risk there is that you're going to have to, you, you, you can get a cease and desist one day. And I've had this happen. You get a, a cease and desist one day out of the blue 
And now you have, you know, and they'll usually set a deadline or a demand on when you can, you know, have to stop using it. I always suggest work collaboratively with them. If you truly are an infringing on their, if you truly are infringing on their existing mark, you can always go back to them and say, I acknowledge this. I was unaware. I'm going through the branding process. Can you give me three weeks? But that sounds very stressful to me, rebranding your whole business and coming up with a name you love, buying the domain, feeling more comfortable and having peace of mind now with this new brand in a short period of time. That to me is a big risk, having to pivot with someone looking down your neck on how, on, on the rebranding process. It's happened mm -hmm. to clients. I've answered the calls where they're crying on the other line. It, it can be very draining. Your brand name or your brand elements oftentimes are very emotional. Um, second pro likely problem, you might actually have someone who loves what you've created, your business name, your podcast name, your course name, those brand elements that are, are identify your brand. They love it so much that they start using it themselves in your same industry. And now they're infringing on kind of your common law rights, like your, your idea. And they're actually dissuading. Customers are getting confused and they don't know, you know, if you're one in the same. I've seen phrases and names so close together that no reasonable person, if I said, hey, I've got this great mom recommendation for you. And I say this product name or this course, and I say it. I could say it, I could happen to say it wrong. You could go type it in wrong. And now because they're so confusingly similar, instead of coming to you based on the brand that you've built and protected, they're going to your competitor because you actually don't have a way to establish A, that they knew you existed, which is one of the responsibilities you have to have for in, to establish infringement that they knew that you existed and that they meant to infringe on your mark. But also that you, the, the clients are getting confused and going and, and, and they are so confusingly similar. If you register a trademark, it's considered constructive notice. You're telling the world, I did it first. This is my name. And you didn't have to claim that you knew of me before. If I ever have to enforce my rights, all I have to do is give you my trademark registration number. And there's also many benefits. Like for example, if you want the domain handle on or the domain I guess not domain handle. I mix main name, the domain, yeah. the domain name or the Instagram handle. You can actually, if someone's using it for business and you have the registered trademark, Instagram can, can shut that down and give you the, the handle on Instagram. And there's several other instances of that, where if you have the rights to the brand name that you can actually retain exclusive use of that across the world, just because you happen to own the domain doesn't mean that you're going to prevent somebody else from using it or using something confusingly similar. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. You don't really have power or protection essentially. Okay. Before we continue with the show, I want to talk a little about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressure to change themselves to fit other people's expectations. And the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. 
Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique and what works for someone else doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work toward goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track. Personalized lessons help you gain confidence and practical knowledge. One-on-one coaching and a cognitive behavioral approach teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program and more than 60% that engage with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe. That's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. I don't know about you, but winter is taking its toll on my skin and no one wants to feel dry and dehydrated. But I have a solution for you. The Way Melrose Place Body Cream will quench your thirsty skin and leave it feeling silky smooth. That is what we want. High quality nourishing ingredients will provide hydration that'll prevent dry and icky skin this winter and really all year long. Experience the new Way Melrose Place Body Cream and Body Cleanser. Your body, your way. Go to theway.com, that's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, and use code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get 15% off your entire purchase. That is 15% off your whole order at theway.com, and use the code BELIEVE. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about was intellectual property. And I think like in the podcast world, you think about this a lot because it's your content. So like for me, it'd be my episodes or a blog or it'd be their blog. Do you naturally own your intellectual property or how do you protect that? Or what is your intellectual property, I guess is a good place to start. (laughs) So a great place to start your intellectual property. So trademark, what we were just talking about is one of the bundle of your intellectual property property rights, your brand name, your slogan, your logo, those are trademarkable intellectual property rights. When we shift the focus over to your content, Mm -hmm. your Instagram post, your blog caption, I'm mixing those up. (laughs) The content that you're writing, like you said, the audio of this podcast, if you turned it into a blog, if you turned it into a caption, all of those elements are copyright worthy content. So those are all things that you can copyright. Copyright gets a little bit confusing and so does trademark in the sense that when you first create something, you're the owner of the rights. But Mm kind of like what I was alluding to before, that you have to, you have a lot higher burden if you don't have a registered trademark or registered copyright, because you have to prove that the person infringing on your rights knew that you existed, intended to actually infringe on your rights and that you did it first. So if you don't have a registered copyright, there isn't that constructive notice of this was my body of work. And it's kind of putting the world on notice that you exist because what you'll be up against is someone's going to take basically your same blog content. They're going to change it up a little bit. And they're going to be like, no, that was my idea. That was my content. And unless there's clear identifiers where they use my name or in the blog post where you're like, oh, did you interview Lauren too? Unless there's like these kind of gotchas you're going to have a really hard time proving that they knew you existed, that you did it first 
and that they intended to infringe on your rights. So it's just a very heavy burden if you don't go through the process of copywriting it. But what I do want to give people the reassurance of is that you are the creator of the work and content you're creating. You do naturally become the owner of the copyright but you just have to ensure that you have ways to protect it. So for example, as a content creator, say you have a course, your your information, I do suggest you registering the copyright, but you actually own the copyright just because you created it. And then anyone who's getting access to that content, maybe it's something that's bundled, right? It's not like a blog post, it's out for the world to see. It's something that only people who are enrolled in your course will see. So you have a better idea of who has had access to it. That is where you can contract around the rights. You give your participants in your course or your program a license to use your copyrighted content for personal use and not the availability to use it for commercial use. They can't just say, wow, I learned a lot of great information. I'm going to take this, bundle it up and sell it as my own course. When Mm -hmm. you tell them that they have a license to only use it for personal use, now you're limiting their rights to just really that education piece of what you're trying to serve. And when it comes to like a podcast, of course it's published out there for the world to see. I wouldn't suggest necessarily registering a podcast. It's conversational. I don't think you need to, but the content that you take from this podcast and you turn into, you know, blog posts or even your captions or whatever else, an ebook, those pieces are things that you consider copy registering a copyright for. Okay. Got it. Interesting. Is there any time where you would tell a business you don't have to take legal steps on this? Cause I think it can be very intimidating. Oh my goodness. I have to do all these things. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of it, you know, investment in time. Where are you safe? Is there anywhere that you're safe or protected naturally? Give yourself a lot of grace. These things can be overwhelming where you make your decision is really based on where you get your revenue. So if you're the sales of your ebook is your number one revenue driver, your online course is your number one revenue driver. And that's where you're investing a lot of time into the creation process, a lot of money into hosting it, a lot of money into advertising. And that is your, your revenue source that if someone was infringing on your rights, would actually have like harm, would actually harm, that would create damage to your business. That's where I want you to start. So oftentimes clients come to me for say a trademark and they're like, I have this brand and I currently use it for X, Y, and Z. But in the future, I would love to write in this laundry list of things they would love to do with the brand. That's too much. I'm not going to suggest that you file a trademark in every class that you may or may not use in the future. I want you to focus on your most primary goods and services. What makes you the most money? When we have to talk about investments, we have to get laser focused. Okay. I have one more question on this. That's sort of maybe a specific question. Okay. What if you are opening an Etsy shop where you have very unique one of a kind things. Is that something that you should protect if you only have one of each, or is that something that's not necessarily going to be likely to be ripped off? Okay. Etsy, not, I love Etsy, but to give Etsy a bad name, they are a source of so much infringement. The fact that you can go on there and you can search for a Disney sweatshirt and buy someone's made Disney sweatshirt 
that's infringement. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of my clients who create products. We are always battling infringement on Etsy. It's a, a weekly problem. So Etsy is, is ripe for infringement as an Etsy shop owner yourself. What I want you to think about is, is this where you're just getting your start? You know, if you, for example, I have a friend that has a like antique shop. And I think this is kind of where you're going, right? She's Mm -hmm. one of each of these really great eclectic items. And she curates these beautiful collections. There's one of each. It's not the actual product that we're protecting, right? She doesn't have any copyright behind that physical product. She has, all she has is the brand name of her shop. And so what I would suggest, if you're like, I want to curate a few collections and I want to see how it goes. I'm going to launch on Etsy. And if this goes well, then I'm going to take this to the next level. I would say what's important there is actually your brand name, because you want people to think every time they want that really cool curated gift or thing for their home or whatever it might be, right? You want them to think of you and you don't want somebody to have a confusingly similar name based on the products or services you're providing. So for that, I would say trademark your business name, or maybe you have a really cool slogan. That's like the old is new again, or I don't know, right? I'm sure that one's probably taken, but if you have a really cool slogan, trademark and protect that for you, I'm not going to worry about your intellectual property rights with your product or service. I worry more about the intellectual property rights of, of goods or services when they're digital goods, they're based on, on content photographers, understanding your rights as a photographer and what you should give to your clients is a really big topic as a service provider or consultant. What is confidential of the business? What is intellectual property that you're investing into them, how they can use it. Those are really good questions around intellectual property to dive into. So just, you really have to go internal and look at your business, your numbers, what's going to give you the most peace of mind and start there. All right. So much good info. I hope people are taking notes because it's definitely stuff that most people don't think about on their day-to-day basis. So what are some of your big lessons that you've learned so far, your favorite takeaways that maybe could help others? My favorite piece of advice that I've ever been given in this applied to entrepreneurship was if you don't do it sooner, you're just going to regret it. And I, I think that that was so true for me launching my business because I knew it was on something on my heart and knew it was something that I wanted to pursue. And if I didn't have that little push of like, if I don't do it now, like in six months, am I going to regret? Am I going to look back and regret it? And I feel like I use that same phrase against so many things now. Like when I get really in the weeds on work or something, you know, and I'm missing bath time, you know, what's the more important moment? How can I reshuffle? And so I'm really always trying to focus on, you know, what's the priority and, and being really clear on that. I read the one big thing I think it's the name of mm. it. It was such a good book in the fact that it actually digs into the fact that we, the word priority is singular. It's always meant to be singular. It's actually really counterintuitive to have priorities because priority itself means like the one most important thing. Mm-hmm. So when we make it plural, it's actually really like counterintuitive. Um, it doesn't actually go with the meaning of like the word and how it originated. And I was like, Oh, that's so true. We always have like a list of priorities. And so I've really tried to shift my focus and just to 
what is going to make the biggest impact in whatever area I'm focusing on. So if it's in my business, like what today is going to make the biggest impact on getting me to where I want to at the end of the month, you know, setting goals, you know, in life and business have been really big for me because it kind of keeps, it's something to keep me accountable to. And then I focus on like, what's the one thing that's going to get me there. Is it just today's one workout that's going to get me to, you know, that goal of finishing the program this month? Like what, what is it? And, and not getting bogged down by all of the things, but just focusing on the one thing. Yeah. It's easier said than done. I think it's easy to get frazzled <laughs> oh, yes. with so much in your brain. So I feel like you are very together. You're very organized. You're juggling mom life and work. So do you think it's possible to kind of have it all? I think about this a lot as a mom No, and <laughs> right. Okay. So I'm wondering just kind of your thought on that, because I think as we're young, you think you're going to have this career and kids, um, but it's very hard to juggle it all. Yeah. yeah. So what do you, so how do you think about that? I'm actually reading another book. And when I say reading, that sounds probably like really lovely. Um, I'm listening to a book on audible because <laughs> that's how I read my books these days, um, called essentialism. And what it talks a lot about is it's kind of, I'm trying to really dig into this concept of really setting priorities in my day. And I'm here, I'm doing it again, priorities, right? The plural, um, setting a priority in my day or an intention for the different parts of parts of my day, right? There's parts of my day where I have like my mom hat on and I have my work hat on and all those different elements and really getting and getting really clear on what's going to make the biggest impact. And they talk a lot about trade-offs. And I think it's so true. Like there's always a trade-off for every decision that we're making. So right now I'm having a really hard time and I'll be totally honest, like I'm having a hard time since I have my, my own business. I have a lot of guilt in the idea of sending Sutton to daycare now there's nothing wrong with daycare. There's absolutely nothing wrong with daycare, but in my head, because I've created this life where I, I, I should be able to do it all. I have a lot of guilt on sending her to daycare. Cause I'm like, well, the intention of me starting my business was so that I could be here. And if I feel like I have to now send her someplace else, is that disrupting it? So the trade-off has been right now, I'm driving her across town to my parents every Wednesday so I can get work done. It's a win because they get some time with her and they don't live here full time. Um, but there's that trade-off, right? Like I, I, I made a decision that I, you know, I don't feel comfortable with daycare at the moment, but would it be better just this? And, and, but then I'm like, well, would it be better just to send her to daycare? Probably I have a lot of friends that send their kids to daycare and everyone's really happy and they get to socialize. So because I'm sending her to my parents, there's a trade-off of she's not socializing with other kids. I don't know if she'd socialize much at this age, but oh, young, you really yeah. <laughs> can't escape this narrative of like, I, I go through this like in my head every day. Would my day be easier if I had someone in the house? Would I like somebody in my house? Would it be easier if I sent her someplace? Would I want to send her some? I mean, you can't, I don't think you can win and truly have it all. I think you have to decide what trade-offs are the ones that feel good to you and what you know, you can kind of live with. I love that you say that because I think like we're all human and we all want things for our lives. And as moms, I think what you were kind of getting at was there's mom guilt associated with everything. And it's like, if you're staying home with your child, you should be expected to like handle it all gracefully when that's not the case either. And if you're working, you feel guilty that you're not with them. It's sort of like a lose-lose situation because 
it's never in this perfect balance. And with that, so after I became a mom, I had this whole new notion of self-care and you hear about that and you hear about self-care, but you know, prior to having kids, like your whole life is self-care, except when you're working, (laughs) you take care of yourself. So have you found a way to carve out some, some me time? And if so, you know, what, what do you do and what, how do you find that time to recharge? Hmm. (laughs) Or maybe you haven't found it yet because you're still so (laughs) early on. So, you know, to be honest, I've always really loved like a good workout. And I feel like that was something that I was really looking forward to getting back in. And like, I'm not like a crazy workout person. I just really like, I, I just enjoy that time to just like be really present. So I've been unplugging and doing like Peloton workouts in, at our, in our house. Um, and I've really enjoyed that time. Like on Saturday morning, I got up and she was good and content and she was with dad. And I was like, I'm going to take a quick bar class. And I took a 45 minute bar class and it was just really nice to feel like it was, I could just do my thing this morning. She slept really late. So like I did a little workout. I tried a boxing class and I'm, I'm trying to give myself like the grace. It doesn't have to be the hardest workout. It just has to be, I just want to like, I just want to have some time to me feel. I find that when I work out in the morning and I'm not normally like, I hadn't always been a workout in the morning person. I feel so much better throughout the day. Cause I think I got that one piece of just like me time. What I also found was really important. I know we focus a lot on self, but I also find for me, it was really important to find like some intentional time with my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's really easy to like, I do the mom thing all day, or he does the dad thing all day, or we both do the parent thing all day. And then like, you put her down and it's like, all right, you mindlessly like what's on TV. And we were looking at each other and we were like, we cannot watch TV every night for the rest of our lives. Like that's just (laughs) not rewarding. We were like, what can we come up with so that we just like take ourselves out of the routine at least two nights a week. Like, and not that it has to be like, it's like when we're talking about when she's down asleep in her crib, like we're not going out to dinner. We do that too. And we get together with friends and we do all that stuff. But in those like silent moments where she's down, like, what can we do? And we were like, you know, what if like, we just poured a glass of wine and went and sat on the patio, we have a hot tub that we barely use. What if we heated up the hot tub every once in a while and like just got in the hot tub and just chatted away from all the distractions of screens and TVs. Um, and I found that that's been really nice. We have a ping pong table. We never use like, why don't we just take like pick two nights in a week that we're just going to unplug and we're not going to do the TV and screen thing. And for me, like that quality time with him, I'm a big quality time person, recognizing that that fills my cup up as much as any other self-care. Now for a question from my previous guest. If you could travel to any spot, where would it be? Ooh. So we actually finally planned all of our travel for the year. We are going to see some family. We're going to South Carolina. We're going to go see like both sets of in-laws, you know, our both parents. And we're going to go see his sister's. But to be honest, like I was kind of thinking like we're so quick to plan like the family driven trips or like the friend driven trips, but we actually never got a honeymoon because we got married during COVID. We had a really tiny wedding. We canceled our honeymoon. We didn't even go anywhere at at first. We kind of turned our baby moon into like a kind of our honeymoon, but I was pregnant and I not that it's about drinking, but you know, I'd like to have like a glass of wine on my said honeymoon. Um, And so we always said we wanted to do Italy. So I think that is going to still be like Italy and Paris are still like number one on my list right now. Um, And I think when the time is right, 
will make the adventure out to those places. It just made it a little bit more difficult with, of course, COVID and policies and now the little one. Cause like, I'm mm-hmm. also not ready to like leave her behind. And I, you know, when are we going to be willing to take her across the, across the pond? I don't know. Yeah. It's tough, but good to have those plans and those dreams in place for the future. Yeah. Okay. So now I just want you to share where everyone can find you online. If they maybe want to work with you or follow you on social media, you can find me on Instagram at the Lauren Boyd, and you can also follow our firm page at guide my business. Guide my business page is going to have a lot of legal tips and infographics and captions, pulling a lot of content from, you know, conversations we have with clients and on our podcast, um, and really just a lot of kind of like legal information, things you can trademark, things you can't, conversations about non-competes, kind of all of the legal topics. You want to connect with our team. You can, of course, find the links on my page at the Lauren Boyd, but you can go to our website at www.guidemybusiness.co. We can do a consultation. If you're here in Arizona, there's so many things that are really Arizona focused that we work on with our, with our clients. But if you are looking into copyright or trademark, and you just want to know like where you should even start or what you should be like thinking about investing in, and you're not quite ready to begin, you can still schedule a consultation with our team. It's a small investment for you just to understand what's next. If you want to set up a game plan, that call would be an incredible way for you to know, because it's always so hard. It depends, right? It's maybe you didn't get the exact answer you were hoping for on today's episode meet with our team. We'll come up with a game plan that works for you so that you can find the right strategy that applies to your business and your goals. Okay, perfect. Well, so much good information. Thank you for coming on today, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, I want to hear from you. Send me an email to momscallingpod at gmail.com. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review this podcast. See you next week for another episode of Mom's Calling on the Believe Network. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.